Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Only Balls and Horses podcast. We're back again in really quite shit circumstances, I'm afraid. Um, Ollie Bell, Nick Goff joining us. You win the t-shirt competition, Goffy. Well done. Yeah, I'm wearing that this, this week. I'll have a different t-shirt next week. For those that are listening to this just on the podcast, it says T-E-I-A-M, player. There's no I in Sorry? You worked out what it means yet? <laughs> no, I'm trying. I've Googled it. <laughs> Still no. <laughs> that, that is quite important to remember that, that, that people are still going to be listening and not being able to see. So thanks for that. That was... That was Tom. <laughs> that was on my part. Um, are we recording this time? Yeah, yeah, we're recording. We're, yeah, we are recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to get Foldsy on, but I thought, it, yeah, Foldsy wasn't available. Um, we, are, we are officially recording. Um, how are we, lads? We, we're, we're, all, we're all happy. We're all surviving. Oh, yeah, yeah. Barsley, really busy. I've watched a lot of Tenable <laughs> with Warwick Davis and um, been playing some poker, so that's been keeping me busy. Um, but other than that, I haven't changed my clothes for a week, haven't shaved and hibernating. You haven't shaved? <laughs> no, no. 33 years later and this is what it looks like. <laughs> it's not bad. It's, it's not bad. It's more growth than I thought you'd have at this stage. Well Thank done. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we have a bit of, because there was somebody getting in touch about the intro music. Um, just to update you on our, our intro music, it's an absolute shit show. Um, I lost my, my first laptop, got water damage, and my next one now isn't turning on. The intro's dead. But Ollie, you can give us our brilliant intro music before we get into the, the meat of this podcast. One of the things that I've been doing is I've been trying to learn the guitar. So I've been trying to teach myself the guitar on YouTube and um, it's been going, it was going really well. And then I got to a point where I needed to retune it. So I ended up getting an app to tune the guitar and I, you might be able to see that as a string from my guitar. Uh, what happened was I was turning the wrong knob and uh, this this popped. So the intro music doesn't have a G chord, unfortunately, but uh, we'll give it a go. Only bulls and horses. <laughs> and that is our jingle. <laughs> right. Can we cut bits out or not? <laughs> no, we can't, unfortunately. Annoyingly, and I'm deeply regretting doing that. But um, there we go. You're trying to turning the wrong, wrong knobs from now on then. <laughs> yeah, I, I will hopefully come out of this learning, have, being a rock star. Can you give us your review of Ollie's guitar playing, Goffy? Yeah, we're short. Um, I, think we need to, we, I think we need to move on. Um, Self-isolation seems to be affecting him not the best. You, are you, you all right, Tom? Are you coping all right? Staying I'm, sane? I'm, 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 I'm getting there. I'm worried about how big my barnet's going to be at the end of this because the thought of going to the hairdresser is horrible. So I'm genuinely concerned about the quiff abuse. Um, but, you know, we'll survive. You all right, mate? You turn around, Ollie. Ollie's just moving. Oh, the bright, bright sun's creeping in on me. So I'm going to move so I can... Yeah, there we go. Giving us a tour of the bachelor pad. Lovely stuff. Um, yeah, this is a good start. <laughs> Should we get into some questions? Because loads of people have been in touch. So a lot of you have been in touch with what's going to happen with Antipos bets. Um, I know that obviously Goffey's got a few positions. Um, sadly for much of our Cheltenham punting, Cheltenham went ahead, so we're not going to get that money back. But there you go. 
Um, Stuart Akister kicks off. Thanks for getting in touch. So if the National League is voided, as has been suggested, can I claim back my losing football bets from the season? If I backed, say, Stockport to win one Saturday and they lost, well, if the season is voided, the league is saying that game never happened. Nick Goff. Uh, no, no will be the short answer to that, that if games, individual matches have been played and settled, even if the season's voided, that they'll be, they'll be counted um, and the bets will, will stand as they are. Because it'll be unworkable otherwise. You wouldn't be able to get, if a punter's back to winner, the bookmaker's not going to be able to claim that money back off them. So everything that's been played and settled is as settled. But there is one case where losing bets may end up, be, or will have, have to be reset. Um, to refunded is say the FA Cup gets cancelled and you backed Tottenham to win the FA Cup and they got knocked out. Well, if there's no winner, there's eight teams left. If you can avoid the bets remaining on those eight teams, you've got to, re- to avoid the bets on everyone that played in it because that's not fair because you couldn't win if you backed Tottenham. You literally couldn't win because even if you're still in, you're going to uh, get your money back. But is that is that not the same for the league? So you because if there's no so winner in the league. league yeah, so we're going to get on to what's going to happen with the individual leagues. That would, that, that'll be the same. So if you've backed, not that anyone will have, but if you've backed Norwich to win the Premier League, mathematically they can't. But if the whole thing was voided, then you'd have to pay refunds on, on all of those bets, not just the teams that are still in contention. You'd have to be on all of them. Um, I guess it, it, during the course of the next hour or so, we're going to get on to likelihood of things being voided, things being finished somehow, um, bookmakers finding a way to possibly settle things uh, if they're not quite finished. For example, I guess everyone will just pay out on Liverpool. But if you pay out on Liverpool, how does it? Work? what are you going to do in other leagues? Yeah, do you pay out on Leeds? Where's the dividing line? Do you, pay? you can't really pay out on Leeds because they're only like one to two or something when, it, when it's suspended, weren't they? Like two points clear. Yeah. But... Norwich relegation, if that's one to eight, should you pay out on that? You know, and and how much, you know, bookmakers are in hard times themselves. How many, like, complimentary free payouts should they have to give? You know, their own livelihoods on the line here as well. You know, not for the big four or five bookies, obviously, they're going to survive it fine. But if you move down into the sixth, seventh, eighth biggest bookmakers, you, you might see, you know, we, we had a question in from, from your man Icy Tentacles on Twitter, very funny guy, by the way. We, we all know who he is. Naughty little Irishman. Uh, <laughs> a funny chap. Um, who asked, Will, uh, you're not missing that much, really. <laughs> but he is a good guy. Um, who asked, will, will we see any bookmaker go bust as a result of everything that's happening in the world at the moment? And the answer probably is yes. There's likely to be a smaller bookmaker who just can't withstand this. Will it happen to one of the bigger firms? Almost certainly not. And we have seen William Hill's share price take a massive dive and it looked pretty worrying. But at this stage, I'd say I'd, I wouldn't have any fears about, I wouldn't have many fears about a firm the size of William Hill disappearing because if, if they even got into much more bother, then there would be some sort of buyout or merger option available to them. They've, you know, they're, they're too big, I would have thought, to just, to just disappear. Um, so for, for mine at the moment, and this conversation I've been having with other people recently, if you've got money in betting accounts with big companies, that wouldn't be top of the list of my priorities to worry about. Obviously, you can withdraw it if you need to. Can, can, can I just, from your former days in the sort of coral offices uh, as the football trader that 
that you were in your former life. What would be going on now when this sort of news was breaking that this was a possibility games would be suspended? Are they going through every possible option and what are the options that they'll be discussing? I'd like to think that there's been some sort of joined up industry-wide chat between trading heads at the big firms of like, what might we be able to do here? Um, and if that's not happened already, it ought to happen in a couple of weeks' time because I think the running theme throughout all the things we're going to talk about today is in two or three weeks' time, we'll all have a better picture of where the world's heading. Is this going to be a really, really bad thing, but normal life might resume in three months? Or is this going to be the worst thing you could ever imagine? And we're still on lockdown, to use that phrase, in nine months' time. That, you know, if this is the worst case scenario, that, you know, that could happen. But equally, if this isn't worst case scenario, we could see sports starting to return in May. And there's obviously a, a, a spectrum of options in between those two um, poles. So until we get to mid-April and we're starting to see where the, spike, you know, where the worst point is and when we start to, to move back towards zero, if you like, where, when we get over the biggest part of the hump or, or thought we have, then we'll start to be able to make plans and bookmakers will and the FA will and UEFA will, etc., and racing will for when we can get back. But for, for me at the moment, I'm almost like, I want to sit it out. For, I know there are markets on when things will get settled or when things will get back to normal. Um, and if you've got a view, have a bet. But for mine at the moment, I'd rather just wait. I'd, and this is what I, what I would love to be able to advise the FA and UEFA. And I think actually they, they're smart enough to, to know it. Don't make any rash decisions for the next two or three weeks. Let's just wait and see how things are going, and then we'll start to get a sense of can we get stuff finished or not. Um, what would you question? Me? What, whether those discussions are taking place. Just to, as an extension to that, extension of the question, how likely do you see it, again, keeping your sort of former bookmaking hat on, that they will pay out on in current positions and I mean, obviously, say the league's avoided and it's just like a blank count. There's so many sort of hypotheticals, obviously, I know. Yeah. But is that um, a strong possibility? So I think they need to be really careful if they don't finish the leagues with using the word void. Because if I'm Sky TV and I've paid billions of pounds to show the Premier League this year and it's called void, I'd probably argue that I want a massive chunk of that money back. So that would be that that'll be these things are going to be forefront. Yeah, financial issues are going to be forefront in especially the Premier League's thinking. Um, and if they were to announce promotions and relegations based on an unfinished season, it's going to lead to legal action. Yeah. Similarly, if you don't announce promotion and relegation based on what's happened so far, for, we're talking about teams like Leeds, then that's also going to lead to potential legal action. So it's a massive mess. And I think the best case scenario 
would be that we can get it all that we can find a way to get it done and from speaking to people who 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 know people i get the sense that the the premier league's attitude is we're going to fight if we can we will find a way to get this done and all of the stumbling blocks like player contracts that will expire at the end of june they'll they'll find a way to get over them if they can to get to get it and everything on the table from from hiring two premier league grounds close together and getting everyone in one area and playing the games in two pitches behind closed doors every three or four days till you get it done that that kind of thing has been discussed whether it's going to be possible or not we won't know for two or three weeks because we don't know whether we're just at the beginning of this or whether we're about to get to you know midpoint um, and everyone's got their own opinions on that but even the government are guessing a little bit so so are we are we not yeah. at a point where legal action from some clubs somewhere is basically unavoidable because it's going to be impossible to keep everyone happy and if the premier league is finished somehow because they have the the, the ability the where to, to be able to finish the season, the money, etc. Surely that is unfair with the, the knock-on effect of relegation and promotion up from the Championship, etc. Because if they can't finish, surely it can't be one rule for the Premier League and one rule for the rest, doesn't it? Don't, don't all the leagues have to be taken into account because of their affiliation with each other? Yeah, so, so it's a pyramid and they've already announced that the, the step seven, so that's from the Northern League and the Ismian, Ismian League and... Um, uh, and, and those three in that tier um, are being void and results expunged. So there will be no promotion to the National League North and South. And already South Shields, who are 12 points clear in the Northern League, have hinted at legal action. And I understand that because these, t- these clubs, even clubs like that, invest heavily in relative terms in their playing squad to get themselves promoted. And now it seems no promotion place was ever available. So they want some sort of compensation for, um, for, for that investment. What's going to be interesting is the public opinion on, on things like that. You know, we could have thousands of people dying. And to hear of football clubs wanting to sue to protect their, you know, their, 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 their own position may leave a bitter taste in so many millions of people's mouths that clubs might be hesitant to do that kind of thing. But if, if your club's existence is, is at stake, as it will be in certain cases, you may have no other option. So mm. you could be getting a, an incredible mess. What I'd like to hope will happen is that, that things start to peter out in a few weeks' time and there are ways to get games back in... May or June in professional leagues behind closed doors and then maybe by July or August properly. Um, but I might be being very optimistic there and too optimistic, but I don't know. That, that's the best case scenario, isn't it now? Um, just to move on through some questions, because we've had loads. Thank you for the response. It's been an absolute bundle. You're obviously as bored as we are. David Johnson. Uh, hi, David. Uh, on the assumption that sport remains off limits for another 11 weeks, we kind of answer this, I think. How should the seasons pr- proceed? We'll come to that on racing as well. And how should the bookmakers set- settle anti-post bets? Uh, th- is that directly connected with regards to bookmakers can only decide on how to settle anti-post bets based upon what is allowed to be played out? 
Yeah, so so his, his point about it being another 11 weeks, the 11 weeks is just finger in the air stuff at the moment, isn't it? 11 weeks is, is what's being talked about for the vulnerable being locked down at the moment. But even that will change on government advice in time to come. Um, the, F, the other thing is, of course, the, foot, the FA and the Football League, the Premier League, can't make their decision on return in isolation. It will depend on what UEFA say and what other national leagues do. Italy's obviously the worst hit at the moment. Say Syria and La Liga both decide to cancel their leagues and they're going to target starting their new season in August as they usually would. And then UEFA say, UEFA give that bless, their blessing to that. And as a result, say that next season's Champions League and Europa League will start at the same time that it was going to. And we're going to try and get back to normal next season. The Premier League can't then say, well, we're going to finish our league in July and August because the Champions League will be starting in July and August and we'd need to give our, our, our nominations of which teams were representing us and we won't have them. So it, in that case, it would be impossible for the Premier League to say that we're going to finish our league irrespective of what everyone else is doing because of the knock-on effects. Um, yeah, um, in terms of how, how bookmakers settle anti-post bets, we, we, we touched on that earlier. Um, if we assume that the biggest bookmakers make a profit from anti-post football betting, now the smaller firms often don't. It, it's harder than punters understand to make money as a bookmaker on anti-post. And it's not a golden goose. The biggest firms, because of the, the amount of normal recreational business they've got and ACA business that they'll be getting, will be making a profit from it. But the smaller firms find anti-post hard to make money on and a lot don't. So if we take the starting point that the biggest five or six bookmakers will make a profit from it, it's in their interests to try, and try to find a way to settle everything if they can. And then bearing in mind what I said about the word void maybe not being used because of knock-on effects to Sky TV and things like that, will there be some kind of settlement on what's happened already? Well, if there's going to be no promotion and relegation, no, the answer to that would, would, would be no. Um, so, this is a, so getting back to Ollie's question, are bookmakers discussing these things already? If they haven't, they ought to be in a couple of weeks' time because we'd like, I'm sure it would be in everyone's interest to have an industry standard response rather than every bookmaker making a decision for themselves about what they're settling, what they're voiding, which um, ex-gratia payments they're making, like paying out on Liverpool because everyone will pay out on Liverpool if they win the league. But how far should bookmakers go from that? And I'm very much in the, you know, bookmakers shouldn't be having to to give a load away in these cases because you know, everyone likes to see the bookmaker as a villain, but they've got to eat too. And with regard to both of you who have got positions on the football season, um, Gunn says, antipost bets, you'd be glad to, sh to, to be sh shot off, devastated to lose, etc. Where are you? I mean, I know, OB, you were in quite a nice position at one stage with a few of them, but I don't know what that looks like now, but... It looks terrible now. Do you want, yeah, it is now. But do you want everything settled? My position is based on Ted's Gothi's advice. Yeah. And I backed Leeds at the start of the season, Swindon at the start of the season, each way at 16 to 1, and 
Portsmouth in League One. Now, the ideal scenario for me would be that they pay out on Leeds and Swindon winning and they void League One. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the, the thing is that even if, from my, in terms of what I outlaid and what I would win, even if, if they completed all the leagues and Leeds were to win, Swindon were to finish tailed, which is unlikely, I would still make more than if they void all my bets antipose at the start of the season so I I do want the season to to play out but there's also an element of me sort of accepting the circumstances for what it is and going there's not an awful lot we can do about this if indeed as Goffey says UEFA say this xyz like it's just such a an unforeseen circumstance that I've kind of in, in my head and I think this is probably the best way to be I've kind of just gone, I'm getting my stake back from the original bets and anything I get on top of that would be a bonus because otherwise I think if I'm counting the potential winnings or whatever, I'm going to be disappointed if that doesn't happen. Yeah, I think you've got to put put self-interest to one side and try to find the right answer for for, for bookmakers and punters alike. Um, And that's the tough bit at the moment without knowing what could happen, when it could happen, how a season could potentially finish. Um, I think bookmakers would mostly like to get things settled if they could. Punters would mostly like to get things settled if they, because if you back Tottenham to win the FA Cup and they've been knocked out, as, as I used in the earlier example, most, pun, most punters are fair-minded people and are of the view that they don't deserve that money back. You you have back to loser, and it's that's the same with. Uh, but that that same punter on the other side of the coin, if they're on Leeds to win the to championship at six to one or whatever they opened, and they're now one to two. Even given the the circumstances, that will great if you only end up getting your money back. Now, if if that's the only option that becomes available, then then that'll be that'll be what it is. But there are other factors you could look at, like um, uh, um, a proportional cash-out price, if you like. So taking the prices that every team was when things shut down and settling based on the true odds at the time everything shut down. So if you back something at... uh, 10 to 1 and the current price is evens you know you might get paid out at 5 to 1 proportionally you know based on the true value of that bet so that's something that everyone could look at um because for you know the cash out values are available on these anti post bets or were all bookmakers obviously turned them off which was the right thing to do once once the uncertainty started to arise but that's one way they could look at dealing with them Um, that's answered a lot of the uh, betting, a lot of the football ones as well. Um, more generally, Joe says, if you were running the betting company with Total Freedom, what markets would you be offering right now to keep turnover, t- turnover ticking over? And just on that, I suppose you can branch out into what, I mean, what are we punting at the moment? I and mean, personally, there's nothing for me to gamble on, zero. And I'm not going to jump into the poker world. Although I've quite enjoyed watching Ollie's exploits in that world recently. But we'll come to that shortly. 
Goffey, are you punting any any sports internationally at the moment, or any e-sports, or people playing chess, or what? Um, if you told me I was even going to say this six months ago, I'd have laughed you out of town. Um, but there was a so um, the Leighton Orient Twitter site started a everyone will have seen this the a, a FIFA like a FIFA tournament on the computer thing. And some some teams have used their own esports pros to play. Some have got their got players from the team to play, and like five or six bookmakers priced up the first round of this, and didn't do a great job of it because there were these like actual professional FIFA players going up against pro footballers, and being like four to nine to beat them, and there should be like a thousand on. Like you can't or... get much. You, you can't get very much money on these things, so it's it's kind of for fun. But you could get bets on them, and it was like massively wrong. So <laughs> I, I did. I did spend um, the weekend past weekend going through who was playing for each team, if you could find the info, and looking for the prices and trying to get some bets on them. As much for you know, obviously wanting to win some money at the moment, but as much to keep me sane and have me like using my brain. Um, but with like all of these things, the values in the first round and bookmakers become clued up um, from the second round onwards. So it was, a, it was a short window of opportunity, but there was a, a chance to make some money from a bleeding computer tournament. Uh, I was watching a bit of racing when it was on from Ireland um, and then from South Africa until the other day when that was off. There's literally nothing. Now, I'm not going to watch American racing in the evenings because... The evenings you can find something to watch on TV and have a glass of wine, can't you? But but you know, I had this African racing on the other afternoon and had a couple of bet like a couple of small bets out of boredom. Um, but the answer really is no. There's there's nothing to do. I've kind of ex- um, accepted a two to three month shutdown now. Um, but who hasn't? You know, m- most people in work have done the same. So and that's that's the thing as well. I think that whilst we're look this is obviously a sport and, and and gambling based podcast but ultimately you're a professional punter who's accepting that the next two to three months of our life are not in any way how we imagine them to be uh the income streams are not in any way what you imagine them to be uh, and there are lots of people who don't bet who, who are going through exactly whatever what we, we are all going through what everyone else in the country is going through and and there has to be a level of sort of acceptance of that and just lock down, get through it and hope everyone, you know, the, 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 the damage, the impact of this disease is as minimal as possible to, to everyone in every walk of life, to bookmakers, to punters, to, to everyone up and down the country. Um, I, yeah, I think it's for, for all of us. I mean, for Tom and I, we're not presenting racing because there's no racing to present. So in terms of our income, it's not there as well. So it's, it's just a really, really crap time, isn't it? And I know that it's a cliche, but as you said earlier, you know, there's there's people dying out there. So it's it's what we're talking about in the reality of things is relatively irrelevant. It's important in our little world, and I think it's important to update punters who have an interest on on what happens to their bets, etc., in this little bubble. But we are well aware of the the bigger ramifications outside of the bubble. Yeah, and I think just talking about sport with your mates and doing podcasts and things like that helps. To, you know, that helps to keep us all sane. We we all know there's a bigger picture. It almost goes without saying. Yeah. You know, you, you've got the news that you can't you can't have missed it. It's, 
this is the worst thing of our lifetime now by, by a mile yeah so it's just literally incredible um so so talking about how sport will look when it returns is kind of a way for us all to keep ourselves yeah. sort of on the straight and narrow isn't it and and, and you know not just go off the rails and neck two bottles of red every night <laughs> it's so difficult when you lit like you say i mean we, we, we talked about three weeks then 11 weeks i mean we don't have a genuinely we have no authority on when it's going to return and i think everyone on 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 people who love sport who watch sport who bet on sport people participating in the sports football clubs um racing yards what they really want more than anything, which is almost impossible, is, is, a, is an exact date. I know we've got a date for, for racing in the UK at the moment, but a date where people can, a realistic date where they can go, right, let's work towards that. But it's, it's, it's a complete guess up at the moment, which is what makes it so difficult, I think. I didn't realize, obviously we all knew and all know how much of a part sport has played in our life, but you really miss it when it's not there. Like you, you almost take it for granted. Like, most of my conversations with my friends are about sport. Most of my activities are outside playing sport. Obviously, my job is in a sport. Like, sport ultimately is our life, really. And without it, it's a very, very dull world. He's a doffy, Ollie. Do you know? Sorry? Boxer. Does a bit of boxing. Yeah, boxer, yeah. yeah. I, I went to his, um, his only bouts and it, it, it didn't. <laughs> didn't go so well really someone my next fight the tagline is going to be someone's o has got to go and that <laughs> means the uh, the o in the win column has got to go. <laughs> uh yeah we got through that um do you know what's nice though what, what's nice is the amount of people who have engaged with us on twitter um when we said we were coming back on and, and doing this podcast because as you say goffy there is a real um desire i guess for normalcy in many ways and, and us to talk about sport and possible outcomes but um it, there's so many questions aren't there tom that we've had so, in so james knight has said uh, betting in general is the growing moral outrage relating to gambling going to intensify during and post this crisis i fear it may well do personally i mean that's the way that it's going anyway as we're becoming greener betting is coming under more and more scrutiny um Possibly, I don't know, that off the back of this, people will look at betting and say, well, why are people worried about that when, as you say, there have been deaths, there have been much bigger things going on, and now betting, which can lead to so many issues to so many people, that should be cracked down upon more off the back of this. I don't know, but I, I see where James is coming from. Yeah, I think, um, interesting point, and actually, um, the person who asked the question, James Knight, is probably the best place to, to answer it than, than any of us three. Um, and that, that gave me a thought that if we were going to do one of these again next week, because we had a question in from Neil Channing as well, um, and people like James Knight and Neil Channing, if we could twist their arm, we should get them to dial in for 10 minutes and, and, and chat to us and uh, get, get some other people in, in betting and, and punting on and, and, and uh, have a chat. James would need his arm definitely twisted because he hates stuff like, like this, but I reckon I could, I could talk him into it. Um, challenge, challenge on. For those who yeah, don't know, James is um, a coral. He's had a trade in there. Yeah, the, um, so yes, we've been moving down this track towards um, uh, moral outrage in terms of, of, of betting and gambling. Um, and some of the papers have really taken it on um, as almost like a crusade. Um, so problem gambling will always be now at the forefront of people's discussions when gambling is talked about in, 
in the media and that's fine and, and, it, and it really should do will it i you know sort of intensify what the government are bailing people out here both employed and self-employed giving people their wages should they then be allowed to go and gamble that money you know this is a, a moral question that bookmakers are going to have to look at um, and tread really carefully with um or or will it go sort of the other way and will there be a a bigger picture straight you know we're gonna we might come through this with thousands of people having lost their lives and will the bigger picture be let's look at how we make people safe you know in, in health terms and and actually is, is someone betting 50 quid on a saturday when they earn 250 and and, and losing it not ideal but actually not, not not the worst thing on the planet right now i guess it's more likely to go slightly the first way and and lead us further down that moral path against gambling which you know we'll, we'll see that, but it's, it's an interesting question from james and actually we probably should have got his views on it what one of the things that i i think i've spoken to you about in the past goffy is um obviously the government have looked into a, a lot of I mean, in in other jurisdictions as well, in Italy, the 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 approach to gambling, sponsorship of football clubs is is non-existent anymore, etc. Um, government, in terms of in this country, advertising pre a certain time um, is under scrutiny and and constantly under review. But I find it personally, I I find it to a certain extent slightly hypocritical. For those that are outraged by gambling, and I'm aware that there is a problem for many, and I'm incredibly supportive of that, but you can not watch a gambling advert, or they ban gambling advert, but you can watch an, an advert for a drinks company or what have you. Because ultimately, when there is something such as gambling, drinking, something that can lead to an addiction, there will be people, just by the very nature of how humans are made up, that aren't able to cope with it and become addicted and it is just a destructive influence on their life um and is gambling not just something that leads to addictions for a very small percentage which obviously we need to be responsible about but by cracking down on it to the level in which i've heard some people talk about that they want it to be cracked down is actually really really um dangerous in a way it, it it will be very destructive for a lot more people. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think there needs to be sensible people looking at this and, and coming up with decisions and conclusions because some of the, so, so was there too much gambling advertising around live sport for, for a lot of years? Yes, there was. Um, and a crackdown on that and, and it being on at times when kids could see it and that kind of thing, at a time when all the kids have got mobile phones and things now. Um, that had to happen and that was long overdue. But then I've seen things recently by people suggesting because of the times we're in right now, the government should put a cap of £50 deposit on all betting accounts so people can't, can't bet, enforced by the government, can't bet more than £50 of their own money during the next few months because of what's happening to safeguard people with problems etc i'm all for safeguarding people with problems but you do have to balance that out with the thousands and millions of people out there that can bet 
without it becoming a problem, whose freedom would be removed in that circumstance. So, and, and, and obviously you can't just, you know, the parallels with drinking, smoking can be a bit too simplistic, but we know people who can't drink to a moderate extent and, and, and therefore have had to, you know, either get help or stop themselves from drinking, etc. You don't if, stop the rest of us from drinking. Yeah, if an alcoholic walks into a pub, the landlord will go, sorry, mate, I'm not serving you. But he wouldn't clear out the whole pub. Exactly. And, and yeah, so, so, yeah, so that point is, is fair, albeit there are, there are caveats to it and, it, and gambling is different. Um, but, but yeah, so, so, so we have to, yeah, we have to be careful. Um, and the industry needs to go about this really carefully um, and know where it needs to stand up for itself and where it needs to back down and just say, yeah, okay, that's fair cop. How, how concerned are you as a pro punter about what is being discussed in government? This, the, the, what James is, is make the point James is making about the yeah. sort of weight of momentum behind gambling it being a problem yeah there is an there is a possibility that if it goes so far a certain way it will potentially prevent me from earning an income now i don't think completely because you know if you bet some if you if you bet in foreign countries and you asian markets and things like that they'll, they'll continue to exist but there may be things put in place that prevent professional gamblers doing some of the things they do right now. Um, and that could lead to people like me who haven't worked for nearly five years being in a position where they can't really earn as much money as they're used to and no one really wants to employ them anymore because they haven't done anything for five years. Uh, so that's a, that's a bit of a concern, but it's not something that keeps me up at night. You can only deal with, with, with what's going on and, um, and, and crack on really. But yeah, the landscape of betting is massively changing and as James has pointed out this can only lead to it changing more how have you ever thought about taking up what you used to do before you started trading stripping excellent yeah <laughs> um dust off the bow tie again <laughs> get the butler in the buff he was a butler in the buff wasn't he not many people yeah. know no one knows that but he was yeah that's not true <laughs> I used to work in a Tesco petrol station when I was in when I was doing my A levels. That's the that's the last job I had that wasn't betting related. Yeah. You got sacked because you wore a bow tie and pants. <laughs> you know, next question. He hates that. <laughs> you know it's dangerous to take Goffy on early on in the podcast because I know. I know. Oh, Just silliness. The public aren't enjoying it. <laughs> Loving it. Oh, that image. Anyway, next question. Um, let's go with um, Stuart, who says the possibility of very little pre-season either football or NFL. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. It, re it relates to another question we've had about Liverpool being backable next season based on what little will have to go on pre-season, etc., or without the finish to this season. Will usual heavy favourites be ripe for laying or do you think the market will factor this incorrectly? So turning ahead to next season, are we in danger of you not being able to have any concrete opinions on what prices football teams should be in all the relevant leagues because we'll have very little to go on? 
well, I'll have concrete opinions, but they'll just be based on things that were different to, to what you usually would. Um, I'll still find a way to, to formulate a view and, and put some prices to things. It's just that um, corona factors will be now at the forefront of everyone's thinking. Um, so the first thing on Stuart's question is, we don't know how long seasons are going to be next year yet. Are they going to be a normal length? Because, because obviously one thing that could happen, I wouldn't say it's the most likely, but could happen, is that we finish the season over the summer, we have a short break, and we start the season again a bit later, September, October, whenever, start a new season. In that scenario, will we have a slightly shortened season? Will they scrap the cup competitions to allow you to get the league played? Or if we start a lot later, so we couldn't start until Christmas, could you have a 19-game Premier League season instead of a 38-game season where everyone just plays each other once? I don't think that's very likely, but everything's on the table. In that scenario, of course, in a 19-game season, it's a lot higher variance. Uh, so your, your Leicesters and your Evertons and your Wolves would have much more chance of winning a Premier League or certainly finishing in the top four of a Premier League than they would over the full sample size of a normal season. Most of the time, a bookmaker is going to figure that out and factor that into their prices. But there will definitely be some scenarios that arise where a bookmaker hasn't put, um, factored in potential randomness to, to, to the right extent. And it will be much harder to price these things. And the harder it becomes to price things, the more mistakes get made. The, um, the Liverpool, so Jason R asked a question, didn't he, about Liverpool's odds for next season. Would they be different based on whether this season finishes or not? Um, I don't think they'll change too much based on whether the season actually ends, because we all know they were going to win it this year anyway. Would Man yeah, City right. be fabs if you were pricing up the Premier League starting tomorrow, full full game of full what, with, with with the same squads? Like, I mean, obviously you're fa yeah, but come towards the end of the season, Liverpool have we essentially won won the league. Would Man City be fabs if you were pricing up today? I probably would have had City slight slight fabs over Liverpool. Yeah, they were getting closer together as you know. When at Christmas time and Liverpool are twenty clear, still made City a, a fair favourite, and actually I've, I've got them closer together as as the season came to its premature halt. But the things we're going to have to factor in are how are owners affected. Um, the Liverpool owners own Boston Red Sox as well. Uh, America could be absolutely crippled by this. The, the rate they're moving at the moment. So will there be a financial effect on Liverpool's owners? M might they need to sell a couple of key players short to medium term to see through their financial situations? I've no idea, by the way. And that's pure speculation, but something that will need to be considered. Man City's owners, with the, all of the oil money or, or you know, all of the, um, the money from that part of the world that they have, how affected are they? They might be able to still go and buy players who are now available a bit more cheaply because the market's crashed might see it as an opportunity to go and buy out the best players in the world I, you know i have no idea that that would be the case but these are things that we'll have to factor so certain clubs owners will be in different positions to to others you know, wolves are owned by a massive chinese conglomerate how is this affecting them i don't even i support them but i don't even really know the answer to that um so Corona factors are going to be massive in trying to get a handle on what prize teams should be for next season. The other thing to finish the Liverpool question that he asked was, 
it's the African Cup of Nations next January. And two of Liverpool's best, most important three players would be going to that for a month in January. Will it still be on? Because if it's cancelled or moved, that would help them, obviously. If it's still, if it goes ahead, and the way the season moves, more games have to be played in January than they would have done normally, that would hinder Liverpool even more. You know, you might be a case where it's 25% of Liverpool's season is played without those players because they're somewhere else. Or the whole tournament might be scrapped and they might have the players for 100%. So there's going to be so many more factors than usual in trying to find a right price for teams next season. And, and, and does that extend into the Euros now in 2021 in terms of what teams, do, what different leagues do in terms of fixture lists, etc., fresh teams as opposed to not fresh teams? So um, I think it's too early to say how, the, um, how it will affect the Euros um, because we don't know what, because you, you might have a full season leading into it and you might actually go into the Euros in 2021 in, in, in what, 16 months' time and Corona may have been out of our memory for six months by then, but it might not. I think, no, we, we don't know. So who the, so one of the things, it's too early to look at now, but there might be countries whose players are going to peak in 12 months' time. You know, Norway, I find an interesting example of this, with Haaland. You know, what sort of player is he going to look in 12 months' time? Sander Berge that went to Sheffield United. Norway have got a nice crop of young players coming through. And if they're at the Euros, that extra year might make them a better, a better team than they would have been this summer. There are other teams, and I can't even give an example because I've not really spent any time on the Euros yet. Um, and, and there's no point now because it's not happening. But there, are, there will be other teams with squads at an average age of 29, 30, who are going to be at a disadvantage by playing it in a year's time. But... That's, that's the way it is. Have they voided bets on the Euros if you had them? No, I don't think they have. Again, this w w it would be nice to have an industry standard on this. I think a couple of firms have come out. shouldn't they? I think a couple of firms have come out and said that their bets will stand. And I'd be happy if, if, if all bets... What I think bookmakers ought to do in that case is say, all bets stand unless you contact us and say you want yours void. They give you the option, yeah. Definitely. I think that would be a fair way to, to handle Euros bets. Isn't that because it's been postponed, so therefore the tournament's still going to take place in the same format? It's the same as, which we'll come on to, bets on, on certain races where entries have been canned now, but they're still likely to take place, so the bets still stand at the moment because they can still be played out. Yeah, and I believe the format will still be the same in terms of the countries that it's been, because obviously this Euros is a multi-host event. Lots of different countries hosting it for the first ever time. Perfect for a global pandemic. Yes, um, and it was designed to, to be a celebration of the 60th anniversary, which will now be played after 61 years of UEFA. Ideal. Um, so there was some thought that they might have been able to scrap all these games in all these countries and just have it in one country like they do any other time with the World Cup or Euros. Or scrap but the year when they were all corrupt and then just go back to it being 60 years. They've sold all the tickets, haven't they? And I don't think they want to be refunding those and reselling them. So I think they'll probably try to keep it um, as it is. Um, but I'm glad they made that decision to move it to next year quickly. Um, and we're trying to discuss things from the best case scenario rather than from a selfish position. But yeah. as someone who has a baby during six weeks and really wanted to heavily bet on the Euros, 
moving back a year is bloody good news for me. <laughs> is that um, that that noise that that's a, that's your butler's chat room? Is it that you've still got? <laughs> can you hear the Can you hear the noise in the background? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Henry's messaging yeah. coffee. Yeah, that's um, yeah. The, the, the butlers are still here. They're still working. <laughs> still yeah. Uh, Todd, uh, what football? What other football questions have we got? Because Tom, I want to find out from you what the landscape is with the racing. But what, have, have we got more football? One more football. We've sort of answered this in another form. But Richard uh, Shepherd says lower league clubs will surely need to release players to ensure financial survival. How much of a factor will this be in assessing teams' chances for the 2021 season? Would club wealth be rated? higher than previous seasons or is that generally factored in uh yeah we we touched on it it's a very good question the answer is what i said yeah, corona related factors will be more important than other things that you use um any other analytics stats xg any other things like that that you use to get an edge on the market or formulate your prices Corona will be number one when we come to price things. How has that affected that club and the landscape in general? Um, bookmakers will know that, obviously. But there will, I think there will be a bigger range of opinions on it. So... Like varying different prices? Well, I think it will be possible next before we go into the next season, whenever that is, for me to make a team... For the market to have a team threes and for me to think they're twenties, right? Which you know, I think that could. I'm, I'm guessing, but I think that kind of thing could really happen next summer. Where it, that kind of thing can't really happen because you know the, the bookmakers have. Yeah, it doesn't happen. But that kind of stuff could. You know, it could be a really, really interesting time to be pricing things and betting on things and formulating an opinion which may vary from the market and the general public and bookmakers. That so, is say, so for, 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 sorry, for you, next year, you have a view, say it's the other way around, they price up a team at 20s, for example, you make them six to one, the factors that you're using to get to that conclusion, there is an element of the corona cloud above it all. Do you increase your stakes or because of the situation, are you going to be reticent to commit when you get back into the swing of things? Um, I, th I, I would like to think that I will probably bet similar levels. That's, that's such a good question, actually. Um, and I, I really don't know the answer to it yet. But, but if that case arises where I make something 20s at threes and therefore something else I make huge value, I'm going to have to try to bet to at least the same extent I would usually, allowing for the extra variance that there is in. Um, so, an example. So, it's an example of a team that I was. I can say it now. There's no point keeping it up my sleeve because everything's changed. Spent the last six eight weeks just waiting to see what price Salford are going to be to win the League Two next year, because that you know that was top of my list of teams that. I'm really expecting to invest a bit more over the summer. I'm going the right way now. A lot of stability. Managers got them ready. It's almost like that the owners have 
we'll have one year to stabilise in League Two, then we're going to have a crack at promotion. Now, all that's kind of out the window in terms of uncertainty, but, but and I've been really waiting to, for that. And, and to the extent that I was ho- kind of hoping they were losing, they were going to lose games between now and May to not sort of give the game away, not finish too close to the playoff zone, because they, they wouldn't have gone up this year. They if they'd finished eight pre-season fabs, weren't they, this year? Yeah, they were pre-season fabs, but that was based on their name. Right. They, um, they, they just weren't good enough relative to the top seven. But they're now probably, I think I'd have rated, this is from memory, fifth or sixth by, by the beginning of March when it all came to a halt. I probably had like fifth or sixth best team in the league. And three of those, four of those are going to go up or were going to go up. So, and then it seems you're looking to come down. Well, there's, you know, Berry aren't coming down because they don't exist. Bolton are going to come down skint. Salford could be a genuine five to two, 11 to four shot here, which they might not open. Uh, but all that's irrelevant now. And talking about owners and the wealth and all that, I mean, Gary Neville, who's got the hotel chains that he's, uh, put out on Twitter it was an incredibly noble act of him I think he was the first to say publicly that he's going to keep his staff paid they're going to take paid leave etc um, hotels will be turned you know he will take a financial hit I know that he's a well-off individual but um, yeah like you say it's a it's a massive um, unknown isn't it but that's that's interesting I suppose the point is that despite everything that's going on do you changed the processes that have worked for you over a period of time i know you've just answered it but that's kind of the point i'm getting at because there'll be people here going right we've had three four months without an income no sport to bet on and and we'll get on to this in in terms of poker and and tilting chasing whatever however you want to dress it up you've just got to trust the process that works for you and stick to the methodology irrespective of the circumstances so what so on the gary neville thing i think that this um world climate at the moment will magnify everything good people will come out of it looking really good and bad people are going to come out of it looking bloody awful yeah and that's the same as footballers for the world and there are some people in football who are acting outside of self-interest trying to do the right thing peter barona darren mccantony on twitter trying to do nice things for people and and sort of raise a sort of sense of community and, and do good stuff. Gary Neville, obviously. What um, could have put their stadium up for NHS yeah, workers? Brighton offering tickets to the NHS workers, etc. When when football returns. Good people are trying to do good things. Um, I'm not going to name names, but there are a couple of people within the football world who aren't, are there? Name names. Name, we want names. What names? Well, is, is, is Sports Direct open today or not? <laughs> Next question. Moving <laughs> on. I think it probably is because it's an important. He realised that he dropped a, a, a welly, and um, <laughs> that, that that nice lady that works for West Ham United came out and said that she thought the season should be voided very quickly, didn't she? When her yeah. team was in a relegation battle. In between She's a nice lady. Nice lady. Sports Direct would have been a good sponsor for us. They could still be. Yeah. Well, I'll let you get in touch with Sports Direct. I'll, I'll give I'll give Cashley a shout. See what he says. Um, right. Just to, so to move on to to racing loosely from really what Goffey was saying, or, or from that question about how it changes the the betting landscape. 
I mean, it, it could be with regards to the, the, I mean, if you're running group two, two-year-old races come mid-June, God knows if we're going to be, um, for horses that... First time out, two-year-olds in the Coventry. None of them are great. Massive guess up. And I don't know, and it could be the same for not just two-year-old races, horses we haven't seen that season who are now in the middle of the season, but what is for them the start of the season. The, the shape of races is going to be changed so much that anything, any way you'd normally approach a race, betting-wise, is going to go out the window. And I'm going to be, I think we're all going to be sat there going, can't wait to have a go, can't wait to have a go because I haven't had a bet for such a long time. But equally going, shouldn't I be taking my foot off the gas here because of the unknown quantities going into it? But it's going to be difficult. I, I think on that point, what's interesting is that, and I don't know what Goffey will make of this, but I totally get what you're saying. We, we will be in a, a, a position in June, say Royal Ascot, right? Hypothetically, no one knows the landscape, but say Royal Ascot, is a week after racing regimes. And all these two-year-old races, if they run them, have just first time out horses. For me, and, and I heard you talking about this with Tony Calvin on Racing UK the other day, when you said, if a horse drifts a lot, there was a horse called Politess that won Big Drift, and you said, well, I was sort of a little bit put off backing it. It ended up bolting up. But I think the market will be incredibly accurate from sort of show to off about the sort of lines that you need to be following. So for me, I think the market would be more telling than I traditionally would let it impact on me, if that makes sense. I think a lot of times for two-year-old races, even in normal circumstances, you can see when a horse is clearly a useful horse at home because the money comes for it pre-race, etc. I think you're going to get a scenario where lots of movements happen in the market because the, the bookies will be guessing but the punters who'd see it at home probably won't be guessing as much as 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 we, we think. So I, I'll probably be slightly changing my methodology and being far more aware of what is happening or probably let the market moves influence me a bit more than they do normally. And I, I don't know whether Goffey thinks that's sensible or not, but I think it will be quite telling when we return with racing. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, what's what's the vibe racing? What on how this how the season could could look? So, so say, oh, obviously, say say the guineas can't happen. I I've I've heard. I don't know whether it's true or not. Again, it's a bit like the stuff about the football season and, and options. There is an option. There is a there is a, a an argument for sort of making it regionalised. So. Big races that we miss in, say, May, for example, you will then run it all at Newbury start of June and you piece together, like, the pattern races, for example, over a weekend. I don't know. You'd essentially have to change the whole programme under these exceptional circumstances. But there is a, there is a potential, I suppose, of staging uh, Newbury, Sandown and Ascot races, not Royal Ascot, at Newbury over the course of a Friday Saturday meeting, for example, and then you run your group races and your pattern races for the yeah. breed. That's obviously you, have to, you have to keep other horses in mind. Obviously, you can't you can't just tailor everything around getting the you know, the elite horses out because you, you're going to have a th of thousand horses at a lower level. But then you could, and look, this is for much more intelligent people than me. But then you could have your all weather racing churning out the sort of class six to class three races. 
and premier tracks premier tracks have the the, the pattern I, I look I, I don't know but i can see that scenario actually working if we need to run group races yeah i think that's exactly what's going to happen priority will be given to group races because in the flat season they influence seasons they form the whole structure of 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 of, of the season and everything that leads on from there, breeding, sales, etc., the whole backbone of, of season upon season of the flat season, more so than over in the jump season. Um, obviously, there are so many different, there so many things will be affected, prize money, because just to update on the guineas, in case anyone's wondering, um, entries for the one and 2,000 guineas, uh, which have already closed, have been cancelled, and the races will provisionally be programmed to close at the five and six day stage now. Um, so obviously prize money for that's going to be affected. We had a question in on, on anti-post positions on that, by the way. Um, and I think it's somebody said they've got a position on the, on the, on the, on the 1,000 guineas. I think for where you are there, because it's still intended to be run, your bet still stands. For all officially as it stands, that horse isn't currently in the race. Um, the, I, I cannot see, unless the whole of the flat season time-wise is, com is completely canned, if we are racing at the back end of summer, I cannot see a situation where the Guineas and the Derby and, 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 and things like that, perhaps a handful of Royal Ascot races, I can't see a position where they don't go ahead. I think they're so integral and important to the season. I think they will. And Nick Rust indicated on Luck on Sunday that the regional way of going about it, of racing behind closed doors, is very likely. I mean, Newmarket, for example, could be a huge benefactor of that with the amount of yards around there, um, not exclusively to them, but the limiting of travel that would be required for horses to get to two different tracks that have a new market. That could benefit greatly from that. So I think regional racing is going to be the starting point in the UK uh, or the most likely starting point. That, I think, answers a lot of questions as to how the season is going to, um, season is going to look. Pandemic got in touch. Good name, very apt name, unless you changed it recently. And the Northern Gamblers asked that as well. So I think that's how we sort of see, see the earliest parts of the season whenever, whenever it comes about again, it being in sort of regional format and them hosting the most important, most high-profile races because of how important they are to the flat season. I think the landscape for racing for me is just so, I mean, no one knows when it's going to start. If it starts in September, who knows? I, I, it's It's... I think it's interesting about the guineas, what they've done there, but racing is a big question mark at the moment in terms of how it looks when we return and how it and when we return. So. Can you see any scenario where something is devised out of hardship, out of crisis like now, that works so well that there's almost no. that there's a sense that it needs to become per like the thing you mentioned earlier, Tom, about having a weekend at Newbury running a load of group races, something like that. There's a, there's a chance, and this is not just racing specific, this could happen in all sports, that, that the public love that so much. Yeah. So we, we need to do that more. I was that, thinking, yeah, definitely. But well, obviously we don't know until it plays out. But I think there's going to be, in, not just in football and, and racing, I think across all sports where they go, actually, we've been getting it wrong for the last 100 years. This is actually a slightly better way of doing things. The thing that made me think of that was this 19... The idea that you might have a half football season, like a 19-game Premier League season. Yeah. And because you can only start at Christmas or something. And I got to thinking, that could be so exciting. Yeah. A season where you just play each other once, promotion... You know, more teams could win the league because it's over a shorter period of time. The relegation battle on the final day could have eight teams and that kind of stuff. It, it could be so exciting, almost by mistake, 
that everyone's like, well, why don't we just do that every year and have two seasons every year? And it would like completely revolution. Like, because some South American countries do that anyway. It would com so th there's this virus could revolutionise many sports and the, and the world for the better in the long term, as well as potentially for the worse if things go bust, people aren't around, whatever. So this is going to change the world, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is what we're doing on this podcast. It's going to change everything. Podcast by podcast. Um, I want to answer Neil Channing's question. Um, he says, any views on racing to resume before the 1st of May market? Uh, assuming this is on Betfair, it's moved from 1.1 to 1.22 in recent days, now back to 1.16. Any reasons to be optimistic? Any insights as to what caused fluctuation other than a liquid market uh, being volatile? I think that latter point is very apt. I, I don't know how much you'd use that as a... I thought the, the Will Cheltenham go-ahead market was really interesting when it was reacting to news, but I don't know how much... Do you guys use that as a, as a strict guide on the likelihoodness of anything? How well-informed do you think those markets are? Um, I thought it was, a, it was one of the most interesting markets ever. Um, and I saw a lot of people arguing the garbage because it's just people guessing. But it, it's, it's, it was the best gauge to whether racing would go ahead that, that, that there was. Because that amount of money being backed and laid, um, you know, there has to be inform some, some, some informed. I think people that backed and not to go ahead at a pretty big price early on were extremely unlucky. Because if it was five days later, it couldn't have happened, could it? Mm. Um, but I thought it was a really interesting market, and I thought it was a good gauge um, of, of at all stages whether it's going to go ahead or not. Because it drifted out. I don't know if it ever got odds against, but it got out to about four to five, didn't it, for a couple of days when you thought Cheltenham re really looked dodgy? Yeah, it was very close at one stage. And then we were all going, well, that's it. It's going to be can, but it survived. He also says, should the World Snooker Championship take place behind closed doors? I don't know. Are there any sports that really lend themselves to going ahead? You you could you could play darts, right? So you could have me here playing darts, throwing three, get the score. You there, playing your three, and then you just mark the score off. Like darts that's could right. actually. That's the obvious one, isn't it? You could play darts in your front in your front room. And yeah, there was you... talk of um, Taylor and Barnabelt having a um, charity match for old times' sake in it in their own in their own lounge. I thought they're doing that, aren't they? Well, it's been discussed. I don't know. Is it, is it on? I know it was discussed. I'd be amazing. Like, just get that on and play that every day. And I think someone asked, you know, what would you, um, what, we had a question in, what would you do if you were a bookmaker and you didn't have any constraints? Well, I'd be sponsored. I'd get the 16 best players in the world and sponsor a tournament um, between all of them for their own living rooms and, and price all those matches. That would get me some better turnover if I was allowed to do something like that. This but is a good idea. Putting this out. This is actually a really good idea. I like. No, no, that, that, they they should do it, and they probably looked at it, but they it's hard to get it set up, or they don't want to they don't want to upset the, the guardian and stuff doing betting related stuff right now. If, if I still if I was still involved with a betting company, I'd have a webcam outside my house, and I'd be betting yes or no, and then the next person to walk past, male or female, I'd be punching <laughs> everything. I'm not allowed to anymore. It's 2020. It's not 2002 now, is it? You'd have, the, uh, you'd have to have yeah. a mark for for for. For people that refer to themselves as they, you couldn't just be married. Yes, you would be, wouldn't you? Yeah. Three that five. Yeah. <laughs> Can you price that up for us? <laughs> Post it on the only balls and horses. There's, there's like a little four-way junction at the end of the street where you can where you, walkers can walk four different directions. So if you left that webcam on for 24 hours, you could you could do the form yourself. 
Can I tell you a great story about, a, like I heard this, about a professional punter of a cricket match? And um, he was a, sorry, professional cricket punter. And you could bet on play going ahead or completed match. And there was a webcam set up outside Lords or the Oval, one of them. And the forecast was, um, was really bad, but it, it wasn't raining. Um, and my mate was living sort of next door to the ground. So what he did is he walked past the webcam with an umbrella up <laughs> and the market just <laughs> got a load oh, of with an umbrella. And then he just back completed the match, yes. And just <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, I've got a lot of time for that. Um, should we talk about poker? Have we had any poker questions in? Because yeah. more Let's finish off racing. There's just one more very quick, and I appreciate this has become just three guys talking at a shite, but... Um, uh, what expect, though? Eh? <laughs> yeah. This does exactly what it says on the tin, unfortunately. Hussain <laughs> says any race course is vulnerable to closure. Um, the Musselboro, I suppose, uh, they, their current licence is due to expire at the end of the month. Um, it's been extended, everything they, they need to do, so they're going to be all right. But some tracks, the... The chairman of HRI was saying how worried he was, Brian Kavanagh, about the Irish tracks. Um, in the 23 fixtures that have been closed, they can lose over a million euros, I think. Um, Newton Abbott, for example, is meant to get, get started. They could be in big trouble, of course. And the other thing is that racecourses op also operate as conference centres, loads of different things, nurseries. None of that can happen. So the long and the short of it is, I think there are some tracks who will be in... Racecourses and nurseries? Could close, hey? What racecourses and nurseries? Uh, Newbury have got one. Shut up. Do Newton, they? Newton Abbott. How do you know I'm this? Sorry why I know this so well. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think like every business though, isn't it? Every business is under pressure and in at risk of folding through this. And race courses are no different. Talking of folding, let's do poker. Right, this is something we can bet on. So um, Tom got in touch and said, any views on the recent poker boom? Have you ventured back into the game? So... As somebody that tried online poker for a few evenings when I was about 19 and lost a lot of money because I was getting in really pissed and trying to play and thinking I was good and I was shy and I've never done it again. You, can we have the Nick Goff Ollie Bell guide to dipping your toe back into online poker, please, Ollie? So to put it into context, when I was 21, I played poker online and live on the circuit for two years. Um, I was backed by someone um, and did quite well. And then I had a decision to make whether to go down the presenting route um, properly or whether to take poker seriously. Um, properly. Choice. And I made a terrible decision. And then I, I went to Australia and didn't play poker for about six or seven years seriously. Um, and actually, I was looking at my stats of the day, Sharks, scope and whatnot official poker rankings that don't actually get poker star stats anymore but looking at them and my profit went from a good number and just from tipping away and not sort of concentrating at it and just playing the odd game here and there over the last six seven years it's sort of decreased a lot and then when this happened I thought shit like we're all in trouble here how am I going to make money um and I thought let's see if I can and, and in my head I thought and I don't know whether Nick thinks the same in my head, there were two factors as to why my profit decreased. One, and I don't want to sound flippant here, but I probably wasn't taking it as seriously as I should have done. And two, 
I kind of didn't have the patience to do it when I had other things going on, etc. So to me, it was just not as appealing as it was when I was taking it seriously. I'm waffling, so I'll be quick. Having basically been uh, faced with a situation where you need the money, essentially, and you need to concentrate, you need something to do, etc. I started playing poker again in the last two weeks, gave myself a bankroll, which we'll get onto with Goffy, which is really important to talk about. And got pretty unlucky in some tournaments, cashed for small amounts in a few others. And then recently, uh, last couple of nights, I've won a couple of tournaments and now can be in a position to start to take it for the time that we're in isolation, seriously with a decent bankroll to play with. Um, What it taught me was that, um, or what I've learned over the last two weeks, is that one, I can still compete in the game online, which is encouraging. And uh, two, you you have to be disciplined with it. You can't just sort of turn up, go, oh, just play for a bit of fun. Like if you want to do it, or you can do it for a bit of fun, but if you want to do it in the way I want to do it, you have to be disciplined. Bankroll management's important and you can't get frustrated with bad beats, which I was at the start of this process letting myself get because um, it is a frustrating game at times. So, um yeah, I, I really enjoy the game. Um, I find it um, a really good way to pass time. And if you can play an opportunity still to make money. And I don't know what Nick thinks about it, but that's my sort of outlook on it. There's a few other points I'll make about it in a moment. But Goffy, what do you reckon? Yeah, I used to play a lot um, up until about 2014. Um, and so do you mention a couple of factors there. One... I stopped taking it as seriously because um, my football betting started to go, you know, much bigger. And then I was just playing poker a little bit on the side. And then you could, you play, if you're playing poker online and you're doing other things online at the same time, you can spend an hour sitting at a table and then look at that table after an hour and think, I don't actually know anything about any of these people I'm playing against here. And that long term is a, is a, you know, is a sign that you shouldn't be playing. Yeah. Um, and but the one thing you didn't mention was that around that time as well, the game got a lot harder. It did get a lot harder, but I was surprised that coming back into it as, as I have in the last few weeks, I can still compete because to me, I went, I'm just not on the level now anymore. So that's the bit I wanted to talk about is that Finding your level. if you get back involved in poker, having been out of the game for a long time, don't, don't fall for that. You can just pick it up from where you were. Uh, and, and carry on as you were because a the games change b you're out of practice so you need to dip your toe in first i think at a much lower level whether that's cash or tournaments than you were playing at previously that yeah. coupled with the fact that online poker is going to have a, a rebirth now and there are going to be a lot more people playing than there used to be means that you'll go into these cash games or tournaments wherever you want to play at a lower level than you used to play at and you'll find more regs there, more recreationals there than, than the old pros that you used to be up against. So I think you can get back involved. And the other thing that's really important to do is to try to find some soft, try to, try to work out where the softer games are. Mm. Um, and I found one and I went and told you, didn't I? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting it on here, but there's, there are places out there where you may find games that are softer than other places. Um, so, if you find one of those, keep it to yourself and and, and play in them. Um, for, for a novice, um, how do you identify that? How is that easy for you to identify? You go on. 
well, to me, so there's two factors to that. One is find a level in terms of investment that you're happy to invest in. And then secondly, you'll get a fairly quick gauge, in my opinion, of whether you're in an easy game or a hard game. Like you're, <laughs> I don't think it takes too long to know whether <clears throat> you're playing against someone who knows what they're doing. Um, so it's, it's, it's probably a bit of, um, if you're new into it, if we're not going to say them on here, then it's a bit of suck it and see for just a, you know, three, four times in terms of various different tournaments, but it won't take you long to work out which one is the easiest of the four that you should be playing in, in my opinion. What do you oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, what else? What else are we going to say? So the most important thing is you'd be getting back to poker because whether you're a professional gambler or a semi-pro or you are not a professional gambler at all, but you've lost, but your income is halted in some other form if you're going to play poker to try to make up for lost income in some other source the very worst thing that can happen is that you lose more money playing poker mm. you've got to ensure that you don't put yourself in a situation where you can financially harm yourself by going back to play poker so start small you um, play risk a very very small proportion of your bankroll in any one game, whether that be a cash to cash game or a tournament. <laughs> and, and on that, for me, when I was playing to what I would deem to be a reasonable standard 10 years ago, I would be winning uh, decent sized amounts of money. And then, but, but, but I was buying into tournaments at a decent level. Um, uh, whereas now I have a smaller bankroll and for all that I've won over the last few days, a couple of tournaments or won decent money in a couple of tournaments, back in the day, I would probably go, right, let's kick on and drive on and, and, and take on some bigger tournaments. But that is really not sensible because of the point Goffey was making. Like, just because I've won a tournament, it doesn't mean I've made it again and I can, like, the game's mine. So, so I need to keep discipline within the level I am. Tilting is something that I've mentioned and it's something that poker players talk about. If you get some bad beats, don't chase, don't, you know, and also tilting when you win. If you do land a jackpot or whatever, if it's your first tournament and whatever, and you win it, don't think, right, well, this game's easy. I'm going to buy into a £100 tournament next when it's a £10 tournament that you've won. Keep within your means. Bankroll management is absolutely key. And if you stay disciplined and within the sort of confines that you set yourself at the start, if you've got a bit of game about you, you should hopefully be able to, to get through a, a period where you are long-term winning as opposed to just sort of very volatile spikes in your profit and loss graph yeah i think in all forms of gambling an ego can kill you yeah. but none more so than in poker Definitely. you can buy into your own hype on the back of some short-term results and, and and think you're the big dog yeah. um and this is this is the time at the moment where if you're going to get back into playing poker after a certain amount of time out or you've been playing for quite a while um it and it probably isn't time to be massively varying, you know, upping your stakes, thinking you've thinking you've cracked it. Win a tour, win a you know, win a lot on a cash game one night, playing one two, and decide you're going to play two five the next night because that's going to end badly. Yeah. Um, so and lastly, lastly on it then, if you haven't done it before, but you are a a a, a gambler who enjoys success sports betting, and that's been taken away from you. Would you advise against people taking it up in this interim period? 
Um, so I, I wouldn't advise anyone against learning how to play. But if you're going to log on to an online poker site and start playing, uh, um, my, my good lady wife is a good example of this. She had never played poker or had any interest in, in cards before she met me. At the time we met in 2012, I was playing every night. So she wanted to learn what I was doing and, and watch. So I taught her how to play, and then we had some few sort of friendly house games with friends and stuff like that, and she really enjoyed it. She now plays $3.50 sit-and-goes on PokerStars, and she wins at that level. She's a long-term winner at the $3.50 level. But if she goes up and plays $15 games, she definitely – and she tried it. And I explained to her, this is the difference in quality at the two levels you're playing. If you allow your ego to think you, you've cracked the $3.50 games and you're moving up to play lots of $15 tournaments, you're going to lose all of your money doing this. If you go down to $3, I know it's boring. You're winning $12, $15 every time you win and you're watching your bankroll go up. Very small amounts, but she's, watch, she's, she's playing poker, enjoying and making a profit at a very small level. And it took me a little while for her to get, do not have aspirations of moving up to the next level. All the time you're beating this one, crack on with it. And she gets it. And like, she's been playing the last few days. And honestly, she, she wins. And I, no, I, I was surprised as the next man that I could teach her to play at that level. But she, like, she, she's good. She's good at that level. But she can't, she can't play at the next level. Something that I've never done, and I know that there will be poker players that listen to this, Neil, I don't know whether Neil does use stuff. I'm sure the poker players that listen to this that are good will tell me that I'm a mad for not using it. But I've never ever used software tracking software or anything like that. Um, HUDs, whatever it is. Um, to be honest, I wouldn't even know what they look like. I, I just it's never been something. And I to, to me, I think it would affect it would distract me from the game that I play. Again, that might sound. But this is terrible. unwittingly why we quit playing at the time we did. Because that's when the HUD explosion yeah. came in, and we, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a technophobe. I'm no good with things like that. Mm. I would need someone to come and set it up and tell me exactly what it did and what it does. I can't even learn online what what things like that do. Everyone that's, that's any good at poker is using them. I'm sure, maybe maybe some aren't, but it, it's an edge there that, that is obviously available to you. And I don't really know what I'm doing with it. So. But, but but for those that might be listening to this who've never played poker before, there is stuff out there that is um, tracking software on other players, etc. So if you are new to it, you want to learn, do your research, find out what works for you, find the level that suits you. Um, but but like anything that is um, like yeah, like anything, you you've got to put the work in. To you can't just you can't just pick it up because you played with your mates twice at uni and go. I'm going to make money on poker stars. But there'll be lots of online tutorials where you can learn to play. And there are loads of play for free tournaments online yeah. that you could go in, in, in and decide that w whether you enjoy the game without risking anything and then start to play at a really low level relative to your overall bankroll where you could start to learn what you just want to make. Do not decide. Oh, my source of income's gone, so it's time to to play poker and win some more. Because exactly what I decided. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's not going to end well un, unless you're uh, you, you're smart about, about your decision making. And you know yeah. you've really cracked it when you marry someone who puts up with your shit, 
um, plays online poker and is funnier than you on Twitter? <laughs> the last bit's incorrect. Um, and she absolutely hates football and that will never change. <laughs> I don't mind that though. I don't, I don't mind that my wife doesn't like football at all. Like that's, that's just my thing, isn't it? Definitely funny on Twitter. Last question. And it's on the NFL. Uh, Graham and Graham Campbell and Liam Delaney. Um, we're nearly at the hour and a half market, lads. I'm glad we paid. That's for good it. because we're 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 currently in the sort of last ten minutes of the football match. If we pub- if we publish this as we said we had at three p.m. on Saturday, then we're going to get ninety minutes out of this. Exactly. Um, replacement for three p.m.s. Can we have Nick's thoughts on the NFL free agency as well, please? Graham says, any advice on NFL draft betting if you uh, have a view? And we should probably tie in the fact that Brady's finally fucked off into that as well. Well, that's the, yeah, so I don't, I don't, haven't, I didn't follow the NFL season and I hardly bet on it last year relative to what I've done in the past. Just there was too much football on, too much racing on, and they're more important to me than the NFL was. Something had to go. Um, so I didn't, so I haven't been following free agency as much as I would have done in previous years because I wasn't aiming to bet NFL seriously again this year. But everyone spotted Brady's gone to Tampa Bay having spent 20 years as quarterback in New England. Obviously it is. He's not the quarterback in those four or five years ago. What happens? You sound like you're in a fishbowl. Lean back. No. I tell you what, turn your sound um, off and turn your, mute yourself and back on. Can I just, uh, we pause this podcast whilst Nick does it. And this is the man who literally two minutes ago said he's a technophobe <laughs> and now has to self-diagnose why he's in a fishbowl. Nope. Oh my God. You go. oh, yeah, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. You're right? Yeah, you're <laughs> You were back temporarily. This is what happens, ladies and gentlemen, who are either listening or watching this, uh, when you can't edit a podcast. What you get is you get a minute and a half of three men who don't really know what's going on. One is filling, the other looks incredibly confused, (laughs) and the man in the middle is laughing. (laughs) Can you hear me or not? Yeah, that's Don't move. Do not move. Now talk. How about now? Don't you can't move that every time you move it goes, so you have to stay as still as you can. What about how's this testing? Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Try, but but I'm being serious now, and you're gonna think I'm joking, but I'm actually being serious. If you move your mouth too much, it goes funny again. So keep your mouth when you okay. talk, try and try and move your mouth <laughs> less. Right. Tom Brady's gone to come <laughs> and his arm strength has gone a little bit, but <laughs> that's perfect. I'm glad we got uh, the NFL question in. We've got good wide receivers at Tampa Bay to fight the ball. You moved it too much. I'm, 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 yeah, glad, I'm glad we got. <laughs> Goffy, if you're now listening on the podcast, Goffy's now, he's thrown something. Uh, he's not. He's not a happy man. But we we got all of our questions in. We isn't there the five? We why did he do that? We haven't done, but but we won't do that. But isn't there a top five household chores you don't do or you? Yeah, the, didn't we get? Why did he do that? The why did he do that? We agreed goes to the guy that ate the bat. The um, 
the top five, because Goffey loves a top five. We're going to bring him back for his top five. Top five, ready? Oh, yeah, he's, he's back. If it goes again, we're, we're going to have to get rid of you, though. I'll just get, get, if it goes again, just get rid of me. Top five household chores to avoid during the shutdown. No, but I can't really, I can't really do this because I've got a 34-week-old week pregnant wife. I'm actually doing things around the house. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah, we can. But what do you want to... What, Kate? Which is... You're perfectly positioned to answer it. What do you oh, want I see. What, what do you not DIY. Do? Any sort of DIY. She, she had me moving wardrobes around yesterday. That's not happening again. I broke one. <laughs> DIY is not do, just doing... DIY. I know it says do it yourself, but like... Um, okay. Um, <laughs> moving well, wardrobes. Ironing's the, the worst thing, isn't it? But I get told... No, I can't. I can't do it. I burn stuff. Um, I I'm not. I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to pack the dishwasher either because apparently I do it wrong. Yeah, how? I. How? how can you do it wrong? I'll do it wrong. Yesterday, I offered to do a barbecue for the family yesterday, and I got the barbecue out of the shed for the first time since September, and it's all gone mouldy. So I had to grill the burgers. I can't. Bar I can't do barbecues. Two questions I have on what you said. One, do you put your cutlery in the um, cutlery holder um, with, with, the, with, the, with the silver end down or up? Up. I think that's wrong. Well, the, the, so the top of the, so the bit that goes in your mouth with the fork? Yeah. Yeah, up. is the knife pointing upwards or downwards? Pointing up. Can I just say, as a father and soon to be a father of two, you should put, point them downwards. Why? Just but what if Rory's playing and the dishwasher's left open and he trips and falls? He's fucked, isn't he? <laughs> Point two. Point two. <laughs> Good luck, Mickey. Point two. You, I don't know whether you had a cleaner before. <laughs> Can't edit this. But you don't have one now because of social distancing, I assume. So what is the one thing you would leave? What, is there a room or a specific thing you'd refuse to clean? Um... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't really. I don't really. I'm trying to be a, a modern man and help out as much as I can, but it apparently just leads to more problems. And as we all know, Goffy, there's no I in team. There is no I in team. What a perfect sort of circle this podcast has come on. We started here, then you've wasted 90 minutes of your life, and now we're back here. You could have just skipped from the start to the end. Get faulty on I now. Did... <laughs> Can I do a jingle to round off the podcast? Definitely. But it's not going to be a jingle, but I'm going to do the final whistle. Okay. Just, just tell me when you're ready. I just want to say that I was really... It's just WhatsApped me. This is the longest pod ever. <laughs> you should re reply. You've come out of it very well. You're, you're <laughs> sharp. You're poker shark. No one's taking on VGoff78 in future. Um... Thank you, lads. That was really interesting. Thanks, Goffey. Are we going to do these? Um, are we going to do this to keep us, us sane over the? Well, let's wait and see because people might think this is genuinely the worst thing they've ever seen. In which case, we'll have to we'll have to retire it. Yeah, think, but if it goes down all right. I think there's a chance we might have to do it behind closed doors, genuinely, and just call each other because people are just be like, "Shut up! It's too long." I don't care. But, but if it, if we are to do it again, my idea of maybe getting Channing or James Knight or someone to dial in for ten minutes and just talk to us. Might go down well. What we should do is we should hope that this is well received. So if you've liked it, please let us know because we're all egotists and we like praise.
Um, if you don't, please don't get in touch for the opposite reason. Um, but what we should do is in two weeks time, three weeks time, when we have a, as you say, if we have a clearer idea of the landscape in a few weeks time, we should get those people on board and we should do a more um, broader chat to various different people about how the industry is going to look. Because I think that would be very interesting for us, but also very interesting for the listeners and in this case, viewers. So um, yeah, let's uh, plan to do that. This is like our sort of post-pod conference call that everyone's listening to. Yeah, exactly, yeah. The last thing before the final whistle I'll say is if somebody out there wants to uh, Photoshop Nick Goff's face on a butler in the buff, please do. Ollie, finish us off. Thanks everyone. Uh, see you next time on Only Bulls and Horses. That is the 90 plus injury time done. Bye-bye. <whistles> Beautiful. Bye now.